working? All right. Well, thank you. Um, I had a chance to talk to Andrea a little bit yesterday and, and just to kind of give you a report on, on what's going on with Pastor Jeff. They, uh, they got in to, to Ireland and, and uh, were wanting to get word back to, to Andrea, and uh, they couldn't find any uh, internet access. They, they were, have a wireless set up, and so they were trying, to, trying to, uh, to get back and just let her know that everything was okay. And uh, tried a couple of places, had some problems, and ended up at, McDon- at McDonald's. And uh, Andrea, Andrea said, Jeff did not look real happy because he went halfway around the world to go to McDonald's. So, so they're, they're there, and, and they're having a good time. They're sending pictures back, and, and we just, um, just speak a blessing over them that they would be, come back rested. And you know, it's one of those things where they had a chance to go, and, and uh, it just sounds like they're having a great time. So we're going to actually, um, when I started getting into the Word and asked the Lord what He wanted to, to bring or, or, or what He wanted me to convey, I really, I, I ended up in the same, kind of in the same elk of where Pastor Jeff has been, been teaching. And he's been preaching on the church, you know, the idea of the church. What is the church? You know, the, the, the concept that it, the church is not a building, it's not a place, it's a people. It's a people that's been called to him, for him. And that this church should look a, a certain way. The, the church is not just, it doesn't look like the rest of the world. The, the, it, there's something about it that's different. And when we understand that, we also have to understand that since the church is a group of people called, that it, it really falls to, uh, to each individual person of where they're at as well. And, and last week, Pastor Jeff talked about um, idolatry and, and, and allowing idolatry and things to, to get in, in the way of, 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 our, of, of who we are in Christ. Because that directly affects the way that the church functions. And when I say church, remember, we're not talking about a building. We're not talking about a place. We're talking about us as a family. That, that, that when one of us is dysfunctional, it has an impact on those around us. And so we need to understand that because we have a certain responsibility. And, and so this is kind of where we've been going. Last week we kind of talked about the negatives, the, the, the idolatry, the things that we can allow in. And I really felt like the Lord just wanted to give us some, some, some positives, some things that, that we need to understand because as Christians we need to become mature. And our definition of what mature is may need a little bit of adjusting, Right? Because, you know, we throw out words, we, we have a tendency to throw out words a lot and not really think about what those words mean. And so we're going to kind of even explore some of that. If, if I say, you know, what are we supposed to look like? I mean, if, we, if we're saying, okay, the church is this thing, it's supposed to be different, we're, it's a people that's different, what is the church supposed to look like? Because we kind of breeze past that a lot of time. Well, we're supposed to be different from the world. Okay, well, what is that? What is, what's the difference? I mean, what is it supposed to look like? Well, let's go back and look. In Genesis 1.26, and I'll just read through some of this because we're going to run through a lot of this really quick so we can get to really where I want to be. Um, Genesis 1.26 is God speaking to the Trinity, and he says, let us make man in our image. So we see right off the bat that we were created in the image of the Creator. That, that we should reflect God. We should be the image of our Father. But in the fall, we see that that gets marred, that gets, that gets messed up. And 
we also see that in Colossians 1.15, the Bible says that, it, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. So we see that, that Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, the firstborn of who? The firstborn of God's family of all the brothers and sisters that are a part of the church. Okay? Hebrews 1.3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Exact representation, defined, marked likeness, precise reproduction in every aspect, a facsimile. Okay? So that when you look upon Jesus, Jesus said himself, if, you know, they said, show me the Father, his disciples. Show me the Father, you know, show us God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That, that he was the expression, he was the, 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 a photocopy of God, who is our creator, whose image we were made in. Okay? It's important for us to understand that because as we pursue our, our walk in Christ, that is the goal. I mean, you know, the goal is that our lives, if, if you want to know how you're doing, that's the check. Do I look like my father? And if it doesn't look like the father, then that's the area that we need to be working, right? So the next thing we need to understand, and I'm hoping everybody here does, is that we're being restored to that image, Okay, there's, there's this process going on. Um, Colossians 3, 5 through 10 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, which we spoke about last week. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in the, the, these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips, do not lie to each other, since you have taken your old self uh, with its since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Okay, so we're being renewed. These are the things that should be going away. Okay, so he's 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 saying, okay, these things. If you're seeing these things, not good. You're supposed to be moving toward the image of your creator. 2 Corinthians 3, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. So we see that, that, that there's this process that's going on, this redemption, redemptive process to restore us to what we were originally created to be. Now, that's good, but what does that really look like? I mean, it's, we need to have that understanding, but then what does that really look like? Um, how many of you ever heard the, of the Ten Commandments? Okay, Ten Commandments. I mean, ever, ever, anybody who's been around the church, you know, not, don't lie, don't steal, don't commit murder, you know, don't have any other God. Um, you know, the world knows all those as well. I mean, in fact, the world knows the church as the, you know, when those outside the church look at the church and usually 
they kind of look at us as, well, they have all these rules. You know, don't do this, do do that. You know, it, it's, it's all about rules and what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. Where did God get these from? I mean, I mean, have you ever really considered it? Where did God get the Ten Commandments from? Did he like one day just kind of roll out of bed and go, well, you know, today, you know, I'm thinking it's probably not a good idea for people to lie to each other, so I think I'm going to make that a rule. You know, don't lie. And then, the, you know, the next day, well, you know, it's probably, it, did, he, did he just come up with this arbitrarily? The answer is no. The rules are there, the, these things that we look at, we look at them as rules. You know what they really are? It's his character. The reason it says do not do these things is because it's in opposition to who he is. It's in opposition to the character that you were created in, the image that you were created in. Let's run, do not lie. What does God say? I am not a man that I should lie. God doesn't lie. Do not murder. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come to give life. Don't steal. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That He gave His Son. God is a giver. He gives good gifts to us. And so we, we look at these, we can look at these as a bunch of rules or we can look at these and understand that this is, this is, these are markers for what we're supposed to look like. It's not something that we're supposed to live in. This is who we're supposed to be. It's not, it's, it's not a, you know, oh, I guess I shouldn't do this or oh, I should. No, if we really understand this, this is the image that we're, we're being brought back to. In fact, I mean, it, it, this is a little side note, but I mean, if you think about it, a lot of times we'll talk about hell and, and, you know, Jesus didn't paint a real good picture of what hell, you know, gnashing of teeth and, you know, all of this. And we think, oh, you know, that doesn't sound like a good place. And, and, you know, for those of us, and just in passing a lot of times, we'll say, oh, well, you know, hell's, hell's just, it's being separated from God. Well, think about that. I mean, think about what you've just said. Jesus said that only God is good. All of these things, his character is good. The absence of God is everything else that's left. Being in a place void of every good thing. I mean, think of every depraved thing that man can come up with and just throw it all in a pot, and that's hell. It's the, the complete absence of God's character. I mean, God, that, he is the picture. This is, this is the, whole, the, the whole thing of where we're moving. So, parents, I, I'll throw this out as well. Parents, um, you know, we live in a time, and, and, and having a, a, a background with being a youth pastor, I, I want to just impress upon you. Um, I think one of the things that we do a lot of times is we try to teach our kids right and wrong and we tell them, you know, well, you shouldn't do this. And, and, well, you know, why? And, you know, how many of you ever heard because I said so? I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of the fault because I said so, you know. Well, when you're training your, your kids, when you're teaching your kids, and you're, and you're talking about these issues, always take it back to the character of God. Don't stop. Don't stop with just the rule. 
go, go farther back because the world, the world is relative. Everything is relative in the world. But the one thing that's not relative is God. God doesn't change. And so if, if you'll take this back to the character, why, you know, you shouldn't lie. Well, why shouldn't I lie? Well, because God doesn't lie. And that's not going to change. And so it doesn't matter the situation that you get into, lying is wrong. If we leave it, if we leave it short, we, we, we leave a lot of room for the enemy to get in. So that's just a, a thing to throw out there. Um, the law points to God's character. And, and God's character, I mean, if we, if we really delve into it, and all of these issues, I mean, we could preach a sermon on each different thing, but, I mean, what are the character traits of God? I mean, he's honest, he's loyal, he's patient, he's kind, he's respectful, he's courageous, he's slow to anger, he's compassionate, faithful, he's an overcomer, he's forgiving, He's humble, he's merciful, he's fair and just, he's loving, he's encouraging. These are all things that should be reflected in us. You know, what would happen if, going back to what we were talking about originally, the church, the body of believers, if the individuals in that body reflected this character and corporately as a body, what would that do to the community around us? What would they see? I mean, that, I mean, that really is the heart of what God is trying to, 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 to do through the church, that we're the visible expression of his glory here on the earth. You say, oh, well, expression of his glory. When you say that, what, what is phys, you know, physical expression of his glory? Are we talking about healing? Are we talking about, what are we talking about? Well, look at this, Exodus 33, 6. Moses is talking to God, and, and he says, God, I want to see your glory. I, I want to see your glory. And, and God says, okay, I'll show you my glory. And so he takes him out, and he puts him in a place, and he passes before him. And, and listen, this is 33, verse 6. And this is what the Lord does to show Moses his glory. Because we think of, we try to think of these grandiose, these, you know, all these things. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. That that Moses asked to see the glory of God and God revealed his character to him, proclaimed who he was to him. That's what the church needs to see. That's what the, the world needs to see. They need to see God. Amen. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such things there is no law. Again, it's the character of God. So it's one thing to know what we're supposed to look like. It's another thing to know that we're being transformed back to that image, to, to, to come back to that. It's another thing to know, okay, this is what, it's a, what we're supposed to look like. We're supposed to look like our, our, our Father. But how do we get there? I mean, how, do we, where is, how does this transformation take place? And so... Um, we need to understand 
another two set of words because we, in the English language, we like to take things and, and um, we use one word to mean multiple things. So when I say use the word relationship uh, and throw out the word relationship, you know, I have a relationship with God. Um, you know, okay, good. I mean, you know, and so that, that can mean it, it kind of covers the gamut. I mean, how good of a relationship do you have? You know, is the relationship strained? Is, is you know, and so we, we kind of, you know, you, okay, you have a strained relationship. So we use that word real generally, but I want to be real specific today when, when we're talking. Relationship, the way that I'm going to use it, relationship is a positional word, okay? And when you think of relationship, I want you to think of it as a position of one thing to another. For instance, and I'm going to pick on my daughter again. Um, my daughter, raise your hand, Mercy, say hi. Okay, this is my daughter, okay? Our relationship is she's my daughter, I'm her father, okay? Now, fellowship is a different word and means something different. Fellowship is the interaction between two things, okay? So the relationship that Mercy and I have is daughter, father. I could die tomorrow and the relationship would not be any different. In fact, the relationship can never be changed. It's father, daughter. Fellowship is something completely different though because fellowship can be strained. Fellowship can be non-existent. Uh, you know, she could live in another state. I could live in another state. And the, and the relationship would still be there, but the fellowship would not, okay? That's important for us to understand the difference between these two as we move forward because the next thing that we need to understand is there's this tension in the church and even within denominations of, of, of kind of this line of, well, how much is God and how much is man? And, and you know, some doctrine would say that you know, God is in complete control of everything and, and God is, is, is doing everything and in everything. And then there's another, another end of the spectrum where, you know, well, God, you know, he, he you know, created man and set man here, and, and then now it's up to man to find his way of, of what's going on. And so it's really kind of all man's deal. And the reality in that is that we need to understand that, that God is sovereign, that God is in complete control. But in that sovereignty, he has given us free will. And he's given us free choice. And because of that, there are certain things that as maturing Christians, certain things that we need to build into our lives to, to, to help facilitate our relationship, or our, not our relationship, our fellowship with God. Okay? A, a good example of this is, okay, my wife, Amy, um, if if I tr try to make my wife love me, is that love by a very definition? If I hold a gun at her and say, okay, you know, love me or you're going to die, and she, is that really love? I mean, even if she says, yes, I love you, by the very definition of what love is, that's not love. Love is a free choice. Love is something that's, that's given. It's something that, that comes from us, from one to another, freely. And so God is, is, this whole thing is about fellowship with him. That he's looking to, for us to reach out to him. 
and to, 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 to desire that fellowship with him. And so when we start talking about disciplines in our life, it's real easy for us to, to, to get hung up on, well, you know, you're talking about works, aren't you? I mean, I mean, aren't you saying that, you know, we're trying to work? Relationship, relationship. Let me try to, relationship is something that you cannot earn, you cannot um, obtain. Relationship with God is through faith alone. God extends that free gift to us through Jesus Christ and says, come into my family. And we, in return, we either accept that or we don't. There's nothing you can do to gain relationship with God. There, there are no works. But fellowship, fellowship is something that we have to nurture. Fellowship is something that, that we have to, 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 to work and to... to if, if Amy and I get married and, you know, okay, we're married, we got the rings, we went through the whole ceremony and everything, but then I never make any effort after that whatsoever to reach out to her needs, to connect with her, what kind of, what kind of marriage is that? It's, it's stagnant, it's stale, there's no, there's no life in it. And that's what God wants for us. He wants that fellowship, that interaction between us. Think about it this way. The Bible, we, 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 we go through this all the time. We read the stories and we, we, we go. How often does God talk to the people in the Bible? How involved in their lives is he? I mean, starting off from Adam and Eve, you see him, this exchange of, of this, this communication back and forth. I mean, even Cain. I mean, Cain ends up killing Abel. God's talking to Cain and trying to, to work this out all the way up into the time that he makes, you know, a, a, a huge sin. God's the same today as he was then. He desires to have that fellowship with us, to, to communicate with us, to, to lead us, to, to, to have that intimacy with us as his bride. I mean, the character... Going back to character, you know, should, uh, uh, should only have one wife. Why is that? I mean, did he just pull that out of the air as well? Who is the bride? Who is God's bride? The church. He only has one bride. He only has one love. And that's us. He wants that relationship with us. And so... If we are going to, to, to be transformed into the image of our creator, then it's not just a set of rules that are gonna, that's going to make that transformation. We can read the Bible all day long and, and learn all of the different things, how we're supposed to look, and I can put up a front, and you and I can get into a disagreement and I can, well, I love you, brother, and everything. And the whole time inside be just stewing with bitterness and anger. And I can make it look real good. But inside, in my heart, what's really going on? Do I really look like my father, look like, look like my creator? 
And so there's something that has to change that innermost part. The only way that that happens is when we come in contact with a living God. We must come in contact with a living God in order for us. As we come in contact with him, it's like a, a, like a best friend. If you've ever had a best friend and you've spent time with them, and, and I used this analogy last night, I'll, I'll use it again. Amy's from Minnesota, and every summer she usually goes back to Minnesota to, to meet with her, uh, her, her family. And uh, I don't always get to go because of work. And she'll come back, and she'll go there as a Texan and come back with a Minnesota accent. I don't, know, I don't know how that works, but she'll come back, you know, Minnesota, you know, the O's are all drawn out, and, and it'll take a good week for her to be back in Texas before that accent starts to revert back to the way it should be, okay? So, <laughs> so but, but we all have this, you know, we have friends, and we pick up little sayings that our friends, yeah, and we become like the one that we spend time with. We become like the one that, that we invest ourselves in and that we give ourselves over to. You know, a relationship is a, is a two-way street. When I approach my wife, do I approach my wife from my needs and from what I want and from... No, I approach my wife for what she needs, for what she wants, for her desires. And she does the same. And that's what builds a healthy relationship. And so we, we seek after God, not for what we're going to get out of it, Right? I mean, we're not trying to get something from God. What, what, we're, what we want is just to have a relationship with him. And if we approach him, just tell him what's on our heart. Tell him what's going on. To just be open with him. To be intimate with him. Then he pours into us those things that we need. And, and I don't know how it works. I wish I could give you like a two-step. You just do this, this, and this. It doesn't work that. Relationships don't work that way. How many of you have a clean-cut relationship? There are no such things as a clean-cut relationship, okay? They're messy. They're messy. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you're upset with your friend. I've had points in my life where I was mad at God. I'll say it. I've, there's been some times where I've been really mad. I didn't talk to him for a while. Doesn't hurt God any. Who's it hurt? Hurts me. But, you know, he gave me the space. He gave me the time to, 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 to work it out. See, because, because he loves us. He wants that relationship with us. And, and it's through all of those things that that relationship is formed, that the, 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 the bonds become tighter, and we really gain a picture and an insight into who he is. And he reveals himself to us in his character. And as that happens, we're transformed. Now, the disciplines that I was talking about, you know, the disciplines... Are, are things that come up in the Bible that, that allow us, it's kind of like a gardener um, gardening. If you just take seeds and throw some seeds out on the ground and, okay, I planted some seeds and you, we don't take any care whatsoever of it, you may get something to sprout. I, you, you're really taking a gamble on that. I mean, Somebody who, who is really wanting to, to plant something and wants to cultivate it, they're going to take time. They're going to prepare the soil. They're going to get rid of the weeds. They're going to they're get it all. I'm not a gardener, so work with me on this. So, so they, they get it all, you know, like it's supposed to be. You have the bed, and you put the little seeds in it, and you put the water on it. And ultimately, the growth is not up to the gardener. But the gardener did have to do some preparation to get there. 
And when we talk about disciplines, that's what we're talking about. There's things that we should have in our lives that help create a healthy or help create healthy fellowship with our Father. That the disciplines in themselves are not what we're looking for. They're not, they're not it. And if we try to wear them around our, our necks like a badge of, well, you know, I, one of them is fasting. I, you know, I fast three days a week, so I must be you know, more righteous than most. No. Disciplines, are, are, they're not a badge to wear. In fact, most of the disciplines, if you look, they're supposed to be done in secret. Not even supposed to know about it. You know, it's supposed to be something private between you and God because it's not something that you're supposed to boast about. Because it doesn't really, at the end of the day, what really matters is what grew. Not, I mean, who eats the dirt? I mean, we eat the fruit once the plant's grown. We don't eat the dirt. We're just messing with the dirt. And so it's important for us to understand that because we'll, we can take, like, the, like the, the Pharisees, you know, oh, well, I'm, I'm so much more righteous. It has nothing to do with it, Okay. Um, 1 John 2 says, the lo- Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of this world. And so we see that the world has an influence on us. There's things that influence us. And the, the, the disciplines are here to help counter the influences, the outside influences, and, and cultivate this fellowship. And so John actually breaks this into three categories, whereas in, we see all these different lists in other places in the Bible. He just kind of breaks it into three categories, and he calls it the lust of the flesh, which we're just going to call that desires out of control. I mean, all of us have had desires that, that can get out of control, okay? whether it's, it's uh, something with food, whether it has to do with lust, whether it, it has to do with loneliness. I mean, we can have desires that get out of balance and come in between our fellowship. What is sin? If we define sin, what is sin? Sin is anything that comes between our fellowship with God and ourselves. Anything that we allow to grow up in between that and impede that fellowship is sin. And so if we have, a, if we have a desires that, that come in between us and God, something's, something's out of whack. We've got to get that fixed. Lust of the eyes. We can throw materialism in there. I mean, you know, your neighbor gets the new car and you're looking at yours and, you know, you're thinking maybe a 15-year-old car is not really what you want, and you know you really, and you begun, begin to, to in your heart, covet. Pride of life, just the control of life, you know that you're on, t- you've got it together, you've got it's in, under control. Just that whole pr- the pride of, or maybe that you're in the know. I, you know, I, I think gossip falls into this. That you know you're you're kind of the center of of what's going on and you kind of you you just you kind of want to put yourself there and you know everything that's going on and 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 out of that there's things that come out that shouldn't be that shouldn't come out and so the 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 spiritual disciplines are given to counter those influences because influences i mean we can 
hear from God. We can hear from Satan. We can hear from the world. I mean, we have all these things that, that pull on us, and we have to discipline ourselves to tune our ears to our Father, to tune our hearts toward our Father, to, to reach out to Him. And so through that, we see that, that Jesus talks about, um, in Matthew 6, Jesus talks about giving, and He talks about prayer, and He talks about fasting. And in that, He talks about secrecy. And so I'm going to throw these out, and we don't have time to, to, to dwell into each one of them. But, but you know, if, if something that is, is kind of pulling on your heart, I want to encourage you to get into the Word and see what the Word has to say about these areas. Um, spiritual discipline, solitude. Quietness. Silence. You know, there's a, a I'm not sure where I heard uh, it was in a book. It's, the, the quote goes, in contemporary society, our adversary majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. That we, that we get so busy and, and, and there's so many things going on that we don't take time, just solitude, just get away and be silent for a little while. For, for some of us, like myself, I, I kind of live in a real busy kind of world. And when I sit down to have silence, it's kind of hard to start off with. I mean, you have to settle yourself and, and, and discipline yourself to sit there. Fasting. Um, simplicity. We like to make things more, way more complicated than they should be. I mean, just look at the whole idea of salvation. I mean, the, the things that we try to come up with, the, you know, that we need to prove ourselves, when the whole time it's just a gift. All you have to do is reach out and take it. That's too, that's too simple for us. It's got to be much more complicated than that. You know, simplicity, making things. You know, I, I think of um, things in my life where I buy something, and then I have to buy something to take care of that thing I bought, and then I have to buy something else to take care of that thing so I can take care of that other thing. And so, and you end up with all this stuff, and then you, at the end, you've spent all this money, and you go, you know what? I really didn't need that to start with. And you, but at that point, you're kind of stuck with all the stuff. Giving, giving is a discipline. I mean, we need to give out a cheerful heart, but we also need to discipline ourselves to give. It's not, it's not an easy thing all the time. Chastity, sacrifice, secrecy. We spoke of that before. You know, Jesus talked about, um, you know, when you're fasting, nobody needs to know that. That's between you and God. When you're praying, don't get up in front of everybody and make a big deal out of it. That should be something intimate. We're talking about an intimate fellowship with God. Something that's supposed to be between you and Him. It's not, it doesn't include everybody else. I mean, there are times corporately when we come together and we worship and we, and we you know, pray together and everything else. But if that's the only thing in your life, then you've really missed out on what God really wants in His relationship with you because the fellowship is really the desire of his heart to know you intimately and for you to know him intimately study getting into the word i mean the word without the word you know most of the things that we talked about today we wouldn't know if it wasn't written down i mean if you're wrestling with an area in your life the word is there to show you to paint the picture of what it is that you're supposed to be experiencing even if you're not experiencing it. So that we can then go to the Father and say, Father, what's going on? 
Why, why is it that I'm looking like this when I look in here and it, that's not what I'm supposed to be looking like? And then we begin to, to, to have that fellowship with God and through that interaction, he, we allow him to change us. Celebration. This would be our praise and worship. Too many times things happen and we don't celebrate. You know, it's just it's another thing in life that went by. Some, you know, oh, it was good, but we don't, we don't give God praise for it. That's, that's, that's a discipline. Service, serving others. Prayer, taking that time out to pray. Fellowship, fellowship with one another. If we get in the habit of, of again, things being too busy and, and not spending time with other believers. You know, spending time with other believers, um, either here, I mean, here is good, but you don't get a real chance. I mean, meeting with other people at their home, just talking, having their faith spur your faith on. I mean, that, that's something that we... Some people have a hard time. I'm, I'm not you know, the most talkative person in the world. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, you know, I, I have a tendency to kind of get off in the corner and just kind of sit there. And, you know, but fellowship is something that if you are that type of person, you need to work on that, getting out and, and fellowshipping with, with other believers because it, 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 it inspires your faith. God uses other believers to affect you as well. Confession, confessing our sins one to another. The Bible says confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. There's a healing that comes when, when we share our burdens with other people, other believers. Submission. Submission is another one. Whether it's submission in the home, whether it's submission in your work, submission to government. You know, we don't like the idea of submission, especially in the United States. We're, we're, kind of, we're very independent especially Texas. In Texas, we're very independent. <laughs> but, but submission is something, it's, it's a discipline that we need to, to, to put into our lives. So altogether, these things counter the influences of the flesh. Um, now, I, I, I want to bring this up too. The, the, whole, the whole thing here, remember, is these are not badges to be worn. These are not things that we're trying to, we do this to get, to, to get some sort of recognition. Your heart has to be that, that we want to seek the face of God, that we want that fellowship with our Father. These are just tools. These are things to help quench the flesh. But our heart, if we're just doing it because that's what we need to do, or we're just doing it because you know, we think it's going to get us somewhere, We've missed, we've missed what, why these things are here in the Bible. But as Christians, we need to understand that these things are here and that we do have a certain responsibility to the fellowship that we, that we want to have to facilitate that fellowship. That, that where is it, in... in uh, In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That that's really God's desire that we would seek after him with all of our heart. That, that um, Acts 17, 26, this is one of my, my favorite verses. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the times set for them in the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us, 
For in him we live and move and have our being. And so, you know, I want to encourage you that, that as, as, as Christians, as the body of Christ, that this, this idea of fellowship and this idea of, of disciplining ourselves, um, you know, is for maturity, becoming mature, because a lot of, you know, we throw out these words, maturity. What is a mature Christian? Well, it's a person who, you know, prays X amount, and they fast X amount, and they, no, 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 no. A mature Christian is someone who, whose heart is yielded to the Lord, that has a fellowship with the Lord, where the Lord speaks to them, and they speak back, and, and there's this, that's, that's spirituality. That's the dominion of the Spirit in our lives. That's maturity. It's not a list of things that we do. But can you imagine what the church would look like if we had that kind of fellowship with God? Can you imagine what the world would see if, if, we, would, if we would make it our heart's desire to reach out to God, to, to discipline ourselves, to, to, to leave the noise and all the other distractions of the world aside and just go after God with a whole heart? The world, the world wouldn't know what to do with it. And because of that, they would be drawn to it. Let's just close in prayer. Father, Father, we give you glory because you are good. Father, that every good and perfect gift comes from you. Father, that your character determines all things, Lord. That who you are and, 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 and your position to us, Lord, we, we just, we love you, Lord. And Father, I ask that you would just show yourself to us in the days and the weeks to come. Father, that you would encourage us through your spirit to, to get into your word, to, to, to put those things in our, in our hearts, to, to draw us near to you. Father, that you would show us. Father, I ask for your revelation. Lord, that if any person in this room is, is wrestling in an area of their life, Lord, that you would show them the discipline that they need to, to, to put to, to work against that and to seek after you with all of their heart. Father, I give you thanks that your desire for us is good, that your desire for us is fellowship, that your desire for us is intimacy. We love you. In Jesus' name. If, um, with that said, you know, if there's anyone here that has never even taken that first step, you don't even have the relationship part of this. I'm talking about fellowship and, and having that interaction. If there's anyone here that has never, you don't know that you're related to God. You don't know that you're a part of that family of God. I just invite you to come talk to me when we dismiss. Um, for the rest of you, if, if there is anything that you need prayer for, feel free to come forward and we can pray. And, and I want to encourage you, you know, if, if your heart, and all of us go through different seasons in our lives, and if your heart, you're just, the whole idea of fellowship, there's something about it that's, that's painful. You're, you're not, you just, I don't know, it's, it's hard exposing yourself. I mean, because there is a certain level. I mean, you do have to open yourself up. That, you know, 
I, I just encourage you to ask God. You know, God wants this, wants fellowship with you. And, and if the desire in your heart isn't there, that's okay. If you can at least ask God for the desire, I guarantee you he'll give it to you. I guarantee it. And so I just want to encourage you in that. If you're struggling with that, if, if, you're, if, if there's something there, that's, that's okay. You're not alone. People, we go through that. People who've been Christians for a while go through that. And so, love you guys. Um, you guys have a great week, and we will see you whenever you're back this way. <laughs> Whether it's Wednesday or next Sunday, you're dismissed.